This is Entrepreneurs Get Visible, the podcast for people who want more impact, influence, and income. I'm Anna Parker-Naples, and I'll be sharing with you proven methods from leading entrepreneurs that help you get visible as an authority in your field. Because anything's possible when you get visible. Hi, Maxwell. Thank you so much for coming on Entrepreneurs Get Visible. We are, for listeners out there, we're recording this at the beginning of April. And uh, by the time you hear it, it's going to be almost May. And we are strongly suspecting that we're still going to be in lockdown or some sense of self-isolation or distancing going on. So ordinarily, Maxwell and I might have talked about exactly what to do when you're on stage. But actually, what we've decided to do is talk around what you can be doing in between times, what you can be doing to build your business as a speaker. So this, I hope, is going to be pertinent for you if you're an aspiring speaker or if you are someone who's established, getting back to the basics of how you build this as a business. So welcome, Maxwell, to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. It's great to have you here. It's an absolute pleasure. It's all mine, Anna. Thank you. So one of the things Maxwell said to me as we came on and we were discussing what we would talk about because we booked this in a while ago, Maxwell said, well, actually, the business of speaking, you should be speaking every single day, whether you're on stage or not. So talk talk us through a little bit about that and why you think that's the case. I'm fascinated by the, the mental game of anything that we put our minds to, but in particularly speaking. And for me, it's not a lot different from athletes from sport who prepare themselves for, for to perform at an event, the, the lead up to it, the, the preparation, the work that goes into refining what to do. And for me, you can never work too much at, at your craft. So it's all about not only becoming efficient, but, but just being better, you know, looking for those little details that mm. help you to improve every single day. You don't need a stage to speak on to become a better speaker. So we're in these times where we can't leave our houses. Mm-hmm. What would that mean? What would that look like for someone who's at home, who is starting out in speaking perhaps, or needs to brush up on their skills? What could they be doing at home to improve what they do on stage? Well, the first thing is to find something that you're completely passionate about speaking about. Mm-hmm. Now, we've all got an abundance of knowledge in our minds, but often if we're speaking about it, it doesn't reflect how we feel about it. So it's I'm not one to stand in the mirror, but what I do like to do in frequent practice, this can be when I'm out walking the dogs, it, it can be when I'm in, in get some own time to me in my room, is just practice talking from all different angles, a passionate that I'm, a subject that I'm really passionate about. And I think when you can do that, it gives you a chance to improve your dictation. It gives you a chance to improve your inflection. And all these little vocal nuggets that we may not be conscious of, especially if we're an aspiring speaker and taken to the stage, because that's a self-conscious stage. In the very beginning, I remember it well, and you're so focused on how you look, how you sound, and how you move that you haven't yet reached that level where you connect with the audience. You're not in flow because you're overthinking everything. Exactly. Yeah, you're not in flow. And to reach flow is to be so comfortable with what you're doing that you know it inside out and back to front. And when you do that, that frees you up to perform. Mm -hmm. And when you're freed up to perform, which happens through 
rehearsal, repetition, knowing something so well that, that you can share it in a variety of ways, that's something that, that I would encourage any speaker to do mm. regularly. I think that there's a few things that interest me there. Now, one is the freedom to be able to speak about your subject in any given way. And I think actually, as an experienced speaker myself, one of the things I love is to go off script. And you can do that if you have allowed yourself to play and explore with your topic. And it might be that when you're on stage, this moment of inspiration happens and you think, actually, this is going to be relevant. I'm going to share that. But you can only do that when you know your material, where you know those parts where you can go off and bring something else in, bring in a moment or read the audience and get the feedback on what's happening. The other thing that really struck me then is about the rehearsal for dictation and inflection. And I love that because my background is as a stage performer. And there's no way that once we knew a script in theatre, that that would be it. There's no way. You rehearse, you become better with your body language, you become sharper with your diction, with your, with your tone. And you can play with those things when you know your material. But for the idea of someone especially at the beginning of their of their speaking career, to get up on stage and not really have an awareness of that and how, how those things make a difference to your delivery. I think it's crucial, really, that learning stage. The difference is tremendous. And that's what I like to call performance ready. Mm. When you're performance ready, you don't really have to think about what you're doing. You're going with feel. And any talk or keynote or presentation can go east or west, north or south. It can go in any direction that the field gives you. And it's having the confidence to move away from scripts and be able to to know that you can come back to centre, but maybe off the cuff, a great story might come to mind. Maybe someone's expression from the audience may trigger something in your mind. It'd be a a shame not to share that. But confidence, confidence is everything. It's an overused word or somehow we've lost the deep meaning of confidence. But confidence comes through competence. Mm. And competence, it's having, valuing yourself and what you have to share. So it's common for aspiring speakers to think, okay, what I'm about to share might not be worth much to someone. So it's changing your perception of that, saying, I've got something really valuable to give you, something really precious that someone can take away, use. It's going to be memorable. They will talk about it a year from now. And the only way it's going to be memorable is if you have the confidence to passionately deliver that. And a lot of that is about finding those moments and having the confidence in those moments to pause. Absolutely. And I'm a talker. I like Are to you? talk. Okay. <laughs> and I talk, quite, you know, my energy is naturally quite, quite fast and quite quick. But as a performer, the power of pause, the power of silence, the power of those moments to let those pennies drop, I think that's what makes a really compelling talk. Those moments where you allow people to have their own personal reflections and insights. Yeah, but because pauses can also give you drama. They can give you suspense. They can leave someone just hanging on. You know, it's like when words start to pour like water, but there's a time to turn that tap off. Yeah, absolutely. Or or just create a slower flow Mm. and then pick them up again, pick the story up again. And that's what creates feeling. You know, stories are, we're all children. 
we all love illustrations and stories and it's how we get deep meaning on things. And I think um, as a speaker, there's quite a lot of responsibility for taking your audience, however big or small they are, on this journey, on this landscape through whatever it is. Even if your talk is actually quite a dry subject, finding those elements of story that make it meaningful, that make it something they can engage in, that takes them on emotional journeys, you know, bringing in those light and shade, the, the drama, as you say, the emotion, but also the things that make us laugh, the things that are funny. So for someone who obviously isn't going to be getting on stage for a while, and we don't know how long it's going to be until the event industry comes springing back in all its glory, what would you say people can do right now in terms of crafting a new speech? I think it's good to jot down some ideas just of what's in your mind. And I'm constantly, I'm never without a notebook and pen. So I'm constantly putting down ideas. I'm not judging the ideas in any way. And I'm not creating too much noise, but I'm just getting something. I, th- I think there's a lot of power when you put pen to paper. And I love the process of pen in hand, writing on paper, rather than just taking notes on your phone. Mm. And um, that, 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 that there's an abundance of topics within us. We we're, were talking about stories a minute ago, and uh, we have so many stories. So many stories these days are based on trauma. Now, nothing wrong with trauma, and we can all learn from it. I've had my fair share of trauma, but I prefer the discoveries after the trauma, you know, about self, about usefulness, about awareness, the lessons that we can draw from it, what we can learn. So I think for aspiring speakers to really get a good collection of back pocket stories from their own lives, and the stories have to be true, but they don't have to be 100% accurate. And uh, uh, one of my mentors told me once, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. So if you can pivot that and leverage it to get a really good learning lesson, then the story is worthwhile because it's still true. Mm. But definitely for aspiring speakers, search within for topics as opposed to reaching outside. So if you have a dry subject, resilience, limiting beliefs, um, motivation. These are great subjects, but those words, everyone's doing them and they can lack a bit depth now, but your own meaning to them. Yeah. One of the things that in my early stage speaking career, I knew that I had a great story or I had a couple of great stories. I knew that, but I would not be aware that nobody actually is that interested in my story for what I've been through. It's always about the audience. And that was a big learning curve for me. Because I knew with my acting background, with the story that I have, I knew that on stage I could be effective. I've got the showmanship and I've got the story. But what I was forgetting is that every talk that I give isn't about my story at all. Yeah. The stories are there to facilitate something else, very often change or learning or growth or growth, growth, growth or knowledge. And is that something that you've come across quite a lot with other less established speakers? It's one of the first lessons that I went through myself. Mm. I was searching for lots of stories and I got rich on my own stories. I was conveying them and and there were stories of bounce back ability, um, recovering after deep trauma. But the more I learned to audience focus those messages, trim them down and get bigger on the lessons learned, definitely. And that's a great learning curve for an aspiring speaker you know what are they going to take away with them 
the audience, you know, what lesson, what, what's in it for them? What can they get home and say, you know what, that might just be of value in my life. And that's something that I'm either going to keep in mind or put into practice. And uh, they have a great takeaway from that. Maxwell, are there, beyond talking to yourself and your dog, are yeah. there ways that you are consciously building this into your everyday work? I mean, are you deliberately getting on more podcasts so that you can speak? Are you deliberately going and giving value in other people's Facebook groups and that kind of thing? Are you incorporating that into your behind-the-scenes speaker work? Well, visibility is everything. But what I do Anything's love possible about... when you get visible. That's a really yes. great catchphrase that I've heard. <laughs> But what I do love about podcasts, because speaking is as well, is just the art of having a conversation. And it's being able to converse really well and use your words efficiently. And you're, you're also put on the spot sometimes with some questions. And that's also great experience for aspiring speakers. So it means that you're getting off the habit of working from a script, which I did in my early days. And it, the best thing I ever done was to move away from that practice. Mm. And I would encourage any speaker to move away from scripts. I um, like to have the idea of a shape of the stories that I'm going to tell, mm-hmm. knowing mentally, even if I don't complete all of the story, which stories I might bring in, which options I have, but really what's the core learning, the core takeaway, and allowing myself, as you say, to know my material inside out so that I can bring things in and read the room. So right now, Maxwell, when we're the event industry is really struggling right now. What things are you doing on a practical level that you would advise other speakers to be doing to prepare beyond the the vocal performance element, to prepare their own business, their business as a speaker, in order to drive bookings once the events are back up and running? So getting out there virtually now is a must, you know. The, The skill set has changed where before speaking was considered a soft skill. Now, as we're going virtually, it's a different area that people have to get comfortable with. I don't think virtual speaking will go away, but when stage speaking comes back, I think we really need that face-to-face connection there. I think it's it's, uh, a bigger journey you can take people on as well. You can hold attention in a room, in a way, on stage that you can't in these online You you just can't do it, yeah. But I was thinking the other day, though, just of filming one of my keynotes Mm-hmm. with a sort of dummy stage set up, you, you know, nice curtains behind me, where I can get up and move, mm-hmm. uh, where I can get up and express myself and just make sure that the sound's good for the people rather than just sitting in front of a camera like we're doing now. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, there's lots of new ways that you can just get a little bit creative and experiment with that there. Absolutely. So you've been quite in the past um, involved with the Professional Speaker Association. That's something you regularly attend. And it's one—it's on my hit list of things I'm going to do when I come out of lockdown. It's been on my list for a long time. What do you think are the main takeaways that you've had from being involved with that association as a member? I joined the PSA two and a half years ago. For the first year, I was like a sponge. I soaked in everything. So I didn't miss a monthly workshop or anything else like that. But since then, I've started to widen out and expand a little as well. So there's lots of other stuff that I like to attend virtually and in person and go to. I've I've got lots, lots of advice from the organization. What I would tell any aspiring speaker though, it's great to have all these avenues of information. It's great to have all the advice and support coming from more seasoned speakers, mm. but you can also allow too much in. 
And when you allow too much in, I've found personally, it can detract from who you really are as yourself. Because you don't trust your own instincts and your own intuition. Yeah, your uniqueness. Because one of my early mistakes was I was trying to be a speaker Mm -hmm. and I lost my own presence within that. So now I've managed to attend now. I'm quite picky and choosy what I attend now. Mm -hmm. you know what I can draw with value I don't just go because it's on and it's a good topic and I'm more I spend most of my time on working on who I am as a speaker and my own difference and what brought you to speaking in the first place as a professional dog trainer I started (laughs) uh, speaking about dogs Amazing. Um, I, I started giving wolf talks I was tracking wolves in the world five years ago So very passionate about dogs and wolves. And I started giving seminars and workshops, speaking about that. Started attracting quite good crowds, you know, 50, 60, 70 people. And um, I thought it'd be really good to brush up in my speaking skills. But I found a whole load of other topics that I also would like to speak about. So that's what put me onto this. So what really drives you now? What really drives you to speak about it? I love the feel of a live audience. Mm -hmm. I love the energy that, that I get from a live audience. I love the build-up. I love the nerves. Mm-hmm. I love the anticipation. I look forward to bringing it all in on time and being ready to perform. What drives me is the, the pre-performance until someone says, you're on. And that, that There's something is, about the adrenaline. There yes. is something about that. I'm a showgirl. So I, okay. I thrive off that, absolutely thrive off that. And for me, it's about the, I want to say power, but that's not really what I mean. It's responsibility for shaping not only the individual experience, but the audience as as a whole, as a unit. Yes. Having yeah. those moments where, you know, you hear those audible gasps of breath or you hear the laughter or the, the, the awkward looks at each other as they know, oh gosh, I'm not the only one here. I think that's really powerful. And sometimes nerves can do amazing things for us. Uh, People worry, yeah. oh, I'm going to get nervous or I'm not going to be able to mess up, mess up. It doesn't matter if you mess up your lines, if you know your stuff, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. And and sometimes I think just sharing, you know what, for some reason today, I've got those nerves in my tummy. In some ways, you can actually take an audience with you and let them in to who you are, as you said. I had a fantastic experience. Steve and Jane Lowell, who are Canadian, they're they're quite well-known speakers and speaker coaches in their field. They invited me over to Canada to speak. Now, I prepared a great talk and I was really looking forward to it. I had a really great experience on the plane on the way over. And when my talk finished, Steve came in and he came onto the platform. He says, Max has a really interesting story about what happened to him in the way over here. And it provided a lot of value for the audience. It was completely unprepared. I didn't know what was going to happen. And it allowed me to be myself more. Mm-hmm. And it allowed me to get the value of moving away from script. Because what happened on the plane was, I was reading my script. This woman was sitting next to me with her boyfriend. She says, what are you doing? I says, I've got this talk coming up in Canada. And this is my talk. She says, can I read it? I said, yeah. I excused myself, took myself off to the bathroom. I came back. She scored out some lines. She'd written down her own lines. She'd put little smiley faces. 
question marks on it. She'd completely critique the whole thing. And uh, that was a great lesson in saying, you know, you're not meant to work from a script, you know. So. Ditch that. She's got yeah. smileys all over it. Uh, yeah, good story. And for, so now, so having started talking about your passion of dogs and wolves, and then you've transmuted, was the word that was coming to mind there. Didn't know that one was coming. <laughs> you've transmuted your business. How much of your business now is reliant on you delivering talks on stage? I had been delivering talks now. That, that, that's where the big shift is. So about a year before lockdown come. Pre-lockdown. Can you all remember yeah. when we were allowed outside? <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I started getting really busy and just put myself out there. So of all this time that I'm using now is to completely relaunch that. Not, not relaunch, but <laughs> go off that same springboard when we're uh, able to get back on our feet and out there again. So and it will happen one day. <laughs> I do to be a speaker. I've decided in life it's what I want to do. It's what I love to do. And it's what I want to get better at. And there's no other choice in my mind. You know, it, it's and I also love to get speakers ready. I love to take aspiring speakers, build their confidence levels, get them performance ready. I love to discover and uncover what they have. Mm. And rather than be a teacher, I believe everyone has some of that in them. And if you discover and uncover it and build their confidence so that they can express themselves freely, there's a speaker in there. Think of all the TED Talks that we'll never hear because people have lacked confidence in themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then don't share their material either. Yeah, so, Max, well, if someone's fairly new at the start of the journey or they want to make the most of lockdown if they're in that headspace, what would you do? What would you advise them to do in terms of visibility, building visibility for becoming a more well-known speaker? Okay, use their social media platforms to let be quite specific in their posts. Let people know what they're passionate about. And I also like to let people know sometimes what my goals are. Mm-hmm. Have a plan. Uh, where would you like to be in three months from now in terms of your own personal development and also the way the world's going? Six months' time, 12 months' time. Prepare your mind and your your professional development for that time. It's a great time to network. Um, it is a great time to network. Virtual networks, now unprecedented, you know. So it, it, make the most of that. Don't get too much. It's, building relationships is still as important now as you know as it's ever been but I've been one over the years for refining my my relationships and uh, just getting help from the right sources there's nothing wrong with being a newbie there's nothing wrong with being an up-and-comer who lacks in skill who lacks in experience and I think we can be very hard on ourselves for lacking in a particular skill that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a go You can only get better if you admit to the things that you are not as skilled and experienced in. Yeah, because that's fine. You know, everyone has talent, but not everyone is talented at everything. Mm. So we all have things that we can teach each other. But don't be afraid to have a go and get some good, qualified, experienced feedback. Get a mentor. Getting a mentor now, whether it's a virtual mentor or someone that you know in person, and you can build a relationship with them, that's very, very important. Yeah, I've had three mentors in my time. and It makes such a difference to any area of business that you're focusing on or performance makes an incredible difference very, very quickly. And having someone give you constructive feedback on what you're building, what you're doing, what you're performing, there's nothing like it. So Maxwell, how can people find out a bit more about you? 
my website is currently under construction. So you would go to LinkedIn and you would just key in Maxwell Muir, performance ready speakers. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's an absolute pleasure. Loved it. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. To get your free checklist on how to raise your profile and to find out about our community, go to annaparkernaples.co.uk forward slash get visible.